0: Well, how's it going? It's good to be with you today. My name is Hillary. And I'm so excited that we are diving into patience today. Um, welcome to all of our friends joining us online and on all of our campuses, Edgewood, Aberdeen, Abingdon here at Mountain Road. You know, in this series we've been asking ourselves some important questions, right? Where are you going? Who are you becoming? And what are you full of? Remember, what is on the outside is an overflow of what is on the inside. And Jesus reminds us that the world will know that we are his followers by our fruit. So let's take a look at this list from Galatians again together. I hope you're memorizing these virtues. I know the kids back in Mountain Kids are, so let's read them together. We'll pick it up with love love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. And self-control, there's no law against these things. So week one, we talked about love and God's love, which is unconditional and beautiful and the world so desperately needs it, right? We talked about joy, how joy is so contagious. It's not dependent on any circumstance, but it's it grows when we're rooted in gratitude. And last week, we talked about peace and oh, how our world desperately needs a sense of peace right now, but not just any peace, God's peace that surpasses our understanding So we've done love, joy, peace. What's next? Wait for it. (laughs) Patience. It's not quite as fun. Uh, I don't always love talking about patience. No wonder Ben was like, Hillary, you got this one. See you later. Um, But all joking aside, this time last year, I was 37 weeks pregnant and out of patience. It was summertime. I was hot. I was miserable. I could barely sleep. The heartburn. You to go to the bathroom all the time. I was tired of waiting. I wanted to meet my baby girl. I was out of patience. So here we are. We're coming up on Claire's first birthday, which is really fun. Yeah, there's a picture, I think, of her. Yeah. She is a sweetheart. But do you know what that also means? It means we're entering into the toddlerhood phase of parenting. So I recognize everything I might have to say about patience is about to be fully tested. And those of you who've spent any time around toddlers are like, Oh yeah, she hasn't seen anything yet. (laughs) But maybe those of you who spend any time around teenagers, whether you're a coach or teacher, you've raised them are like, Oh man, she you got no idea what's coming. Uh, but I was hanging out with some teenagers uh, here at camp this week with Mountain Kids. There was a bunch of teenagers here serving. And I asked them, I said, do you ever like run out of patience with the adults in your lives? And they looked at me first like who asked that type of question. But then they said, oh, uh, yeah, we do. 100% consistent uh, consensus that, yeah, we run out of patience. So I just thought that's a fun reminder that none of us have mastered the art of patience. I'm pretty sure that humans, we just simply hate to wait. We just do. Why would we choose perseverance and endurance? We want something done now in the easy way. How often do we find ourselves irritated or frustrated at the inconveniences and interruptions that happen in our lives? We need patience when the person in front of us is driving too slow. We need patience when somebody's got more than 15 items in the express lane at the grocery store. We need patience when an uh, appliance breaks unexpectedly that you depend on every day. You know, our culture has done everything it can to even eliminate our need for patience altogether. I can pull out my phone right now and I can go to my Amazon Prime app and I can order something like toothpaste. And it would be to my, at my door within 24 hours. Why wait? Why wait? Why wait for intimacy and connection when I could just watch porn? Why wait for the 11 o'clock news when I can just scroll through my Twitter feed and see headline and headline and headline and headline? I don't even have to wait for my favorite fruit to be in season because somebody has figured that out, and I can eat strawberries all year long. Every app on our phone, it tightens our schedule. It gives us the best route so we can avoid traffic. It notifies you when someone is thinking something. And if you're curious about anything in the world, all you have to do is Google it. So do we really need patience? Many of us live our lives in a constant state of hurry that we completely lose our cool at the slightest inconvenience. Pastor Shane Woods even goes as far as to say advancements in our world are assaulting our patience. That's heavy language. But folks who claim to be Christians who can't claim to be followers of Jesus. The world will know us by our fruit. And whether we like it or not, patience, it makes this list. So let's look at Galatians 5 together again. It's the anchor text of our series. Uh, and read these words from Paul in Galatians 5. For you have been called to live in freedom, brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in and love. For the whole law can be summed up by this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out, beware of destroying one another. So I say to you, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what our sinful nature desires. These two forces, they're constantly fighting each other so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. And when you follow the desires of your flesh and the sinful nature, you know where they lead. The results are clear. Sexual morality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, and drunkenness, and wild parties, and on and on it goes. We know that anyone living this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces a good fruit in our lives, a fruit like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus, we have nailed the passions and desires of our sinful nature to the cross. They've been crucified there. And since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Tim Mackey, he's a theologian and co-founder of the Bible Project. He, he gives us a really beautiful picture um, that has been really helpful for me as I've been thinking, about, okay, how do I cultivate the Holy Spirit's fruit in my life? How do I, how do I live when the, my flesh and the Spirit are constantly are fighting? And you know what our flesh is, those desires, the cravings that we give into when we want to take things in our own hands, follow our indulgences, let our hearts be our own guides, do whatever we want, and we tie it with a bow and we call it freedom. Versus the goodness and instruction and guidance and love and light of Christ, which brings true life and true freedom. And he talks about the fruit of the spirit with a garden analogy. Surprise, surprise. And I find that so beautiful. Your life, my life, it's like a garden. we got to protect and care for that garden at all costs because our lives depend on it. The fruit that grows in the garden, the harvest that grows in the garden, it's what sustains us. It's what flourishes It what gives us life. So we must tend to it diligently and with lots of care. We till the soil. You plant the seeds. You water the whole thing. You pick the weeds. You build a fence to keep the predators out. A lot, a lot, a lot of work goes into caring for the garden. A lot of work goes into caring and making an environment that is safe and ripe for a crop to bear. But every gardener also knows that there's a lot outside of their control, right? No one can control the weather or the rain patterns or cloud coverage or how photosynthesis works. No one can control those deer that like to eat your tulips or the pests and disease that come. But the gardener still shows up. The gardener still tends to the things it needs to and it trusts that the fruit will come to bear. Y'all, there's so much in our lives that are outside of our control. And some of us have no patience at all because we haven't learned that yet. We have to surrender our desire for control and trust that God's spirit is going to grow in us what it needs to. And at the same time, still show up every day living disciplined lives, taking care of the garden, tending to it because our lives depend on it. And since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Following the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives looks a lot like trusting and tending. Trusting and tending. It's hard work, but it is holy work. It's doing all that we can, that the garden is safe, that the weeds are being plucked, that the things that need to grow are being tended to. And it's also surrendering all that we can, knowing that God's in control. God is the one that's going to let his fruit grow in our lives. You know, a couple of months ago, I was in Savannah visiting my family. And I was outside in the backyard with my mom looking at her garden. And she pointed out a lemon tree. I was like, oh, mom, that's a really cool lemon tree. She's like, yeah, I've had it for, for four years. And this year I got five lemons. And I thought, five lemons doesn't seem like a lot of fruit. But she knew something I didn't. She knows it takes a lot of time for a tree to mature and to develop and to get its roots deep before it can produce a harvest. And that's the whole paradox of this trusting and tending thing. That in and of itself is a patient work. It takes time. Gardening is a process. And the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, it's, it's, the whole, it's a whole life journey. It's going to take time, a lot of time. And sometimes a whole lot of time. But through patience and endurance and perseverance, it's possible. So even if patience isn't our favorite uh, fruit of the spirit on the list, we've got to talk about it. Because it's a singular fruit, remember? Patience is just another way that we express and embody love to the world around us. I'd also argue that patience is a great sign of wisdom. Blessed with abundant wisdom, King Solomon, he wrote the Old Testament book of Proverbs. And he he says this, whoever is patient has great understanding. And I find that quite funny how we have access to endless information and we can just dive deep down that rabbit hole. But it's the one who knows how to wait who is wise. He goes on to say, but one who is quick-tempered displays folly. And again, I find it funny that being quick to speak and quick to act really just points to the fool in the room. Better is a patient person than a warrior, one with self-control than one who takes the city. Through patience, a ruler can be persuaded and a gentle tongue can break a bone. Y'all, we think hurry is the best Pace. We think quick wit comebacks are badges of strength. We want things done quickly and fast and most efficiently in the way we want it, or it's not done the right way. And it's like this commercial that was always on TV at my grandma's house. JG Wentworth, it's my money and I want it now. Ah. But there's a better way. There's the way of patience. Patience is the way of transformation. It's what our world needs. But how do, we, how do we do it? Like, how do we become patient? What does patience even mean? I think some of us might be surprised that many older translations of the English word of patience in Scripture is referred to as long-suffering and forbearance. If I'm honest, these words aren't in my vocabulary at all. Um, but I find them quite beautiful and helpful when we're broadening our perspective of what patience is. Usually I just joke about my lack thereof, but I find that long-suffering and forbearance give us a better picture. We can read some definitions of patience together. Patience is the quality of being willing to bear adversities, calm endurances of misfortune. It's suffering and enduring It's one thing to find yourself stuck in traffic on I-95 or in a long line at the grocery store or for what feels like forever at the waiting room of the DMV. It's a whole other ballgame to find yourself waiting for what feels like eternity in a hospital waiting room, anxiously hoping for a doctor to bring you the news. Or to try over and over and over again with all the prayer and medical intervention possible for two pink little lines to show up. They just aren't coming yet. To wait for a wayward child to come back home. To wait for a friendship to be mended because you miss that person so much it hurts. Waiting for that job you desperately need to come f- through. Waiting for a dream, just one dream to come true. Sometimes we find ourselves waiting where life is just so different than we thought it would be. And when we are just frustrated and stuck with the unimaginable, no microwave recipe or swipe of a screen can tend to the pain we feel. Forbearance and long-suffering and patience, it's a virtue we all need as we live lives in this world full of inconveniences and intolerance and injustice. When we are burdened with the bondage of brokenness all around us, when life turned out differently than you hoped. When you're facing the unimaginable, you realize things are outside of your control. Your patience is tested. And we can choose to explode. We can choose to break down. We can choose uh, to run away. But there's another thing we can choose. You can choose waiting on the Lord. You can choose patience. When we find ourselves waiting, it's an invitation to nurture our patience and wait on God. It's in the waiting that we find the opportunity to actually exercise our faith. It's here that all that trusting and tending to the garden of our lives gives birth to something beautiful. And if I think I'm going to wait on anything, waiting on God sounds like a pretty good option. Let me remind us that our God is a God who is good, the creator of the cosmos. He brings life out of disorder. He's in the process of restoring and healing all things. And all throughout scripture, we see people time and time again choosing to wait on the Lord. Barren and heartbroken, Abraham and Sarah were given the promise that they would be the father and mother of a great nation, outnumbering the stars in the sky. But how do you walk around with that promise while you're carrying an empty womb for 25 years? They waited on the Lord. Wise, wealthy, you name it, he's got it. Job, a man everybody loves, loses all of his material possessions, buries his ten kids, left in bed sick. And he's wondering, is God good? But he chose to wait on the Lord. Anna and Simeon, they don't necessarily know each other, but they show up to the temple steps in Jerusalem every day just hoping and praying that they will see a glimpse of the Messiah's face. Will they see the promised one before they die? They chose to wait on the Lord. With no money and no supplies and no food for her own stomach, Mother Teresa writes in her diaries that first year in the slums of Calcutta, how plagued with doubt and loneliness she feels. Was she really called by God to serve the poorest of the poor? She had all the comfort she needed back at the convent. Why not return there? But she waited on the Lord. Andy, uh, he's a husband, father of two young boys, was diagnosed with a chronic liver disease. How long would medicine help? How long before he would need a transplant? Would a transplant ever come? Y'all, we know these stories. We live these stories. These are our stories. That's why the work of trusting and tending matters. That is why we can trust in a God who proves faithful because he always does. You know the story. Mother Teresa, she wrestled with doubts and loneliness her entire life. It was never taken away from her but she persevered because of her love was rooted in Christ Jesus. He was her strength and she was able to help thousands of the world's poorest of the poor through her missions of charity. Her perseverance was possible through her faith in Jesus. Abraham and Sarah, they were blessed with the son Isaac. That is our lineage of faith. Job was blessed again tenfold. He never lost his faith in the Lord. My uncle got that liver transplant 20 plus years after his diagnosis. And he is a different person full of joy and gratitude because how he was transformed through the waiting... Anna and Simeon both laid eyes on the Messiah, the baby Jesus, and in their rejoicing proclaimed, Sovereign Lord, let your servant die in peace. You have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you've prepared for all people. He's a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people of Israel. Friends, those who hope in the Lord, those who wait in the Lord, they will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk. And not be faint. King David, he had all of his ups and downs too. And he says this. He sings this. He says, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart. Wait for the Lord. There is something transcendent about waiting on the Lord. Something in the depths of our souls that shifts on that foundational level when we embody patience. New Testament writer James, he knew this when he wrote, consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kind because the testing of your faith develops perseverance. He goes on to say, brothers and sisters, as an example of patience, in the face of suffering, take the prophets. You, they spoke in the name of the Lord, and you, we count it as Blessed. You heard of Job's perseverance, and you've seen what the Lord has brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Paul, who wrote this anchor text in Galatians that we've been in, he wrote so much of the New Testament, and he reminds us over and over again, we're God's chosen people. We're holy and dearly loved. So clothe yourself with compassion and kindness and humility, gentleness and patience. Friends, when God's spirit is alive in us and we are alive to God, meaning that we're fully trusting in him and we're deepening our roots, we're tending to our roots, abiding and living in step with God, we too can have a life that flourishes, fruit that flourishes, that stands in opposition to the brokenness in the world around us. That's what patience is. It's the refusal to be irritated and annoyed and respond with frustration to easily things that just make you mad. It's the refusal to run ahead of God and trust that your timetable is better than his. It's learning at a fundamental level what it means to wait on God. Patience is the fruit of trusting in God's timing in the mundane moments of everyday life and in the deepest valleys of sorrow and pain. And just like growing a garden we have to work at it for a long time. We have to be fully committed to Christ, being following Jesus' example of love, living lives of discipline and rhythms that help us tend and trust God. And just like I was waiting a year ago for Claire to get here, you had to go through that forming process first before something beautiful is born. You gotta go through the development and the labor before new life is born something shifts down on that funda- foundational level in our hearts and in our souls. When we choose to wait, it's only possible through waiting on the Lord. So how do we live in the waiting? How do we live lives marked by trusting and tending? How do we nurture our patience? First I thought, I think it just starts by thanking God for being patient with us. We gotta acknowledge and give thanks to God for being a patient God. God is full of mercy; He's abounding in love and faithfulness. I love the story of where Jesus—he's heading to bring life back to a dead child when he's interrupted by a woman who's been bleeding for twelve years. And instead of being frustrated, saying "I got someplace to be," he stops and has compassion, and he heals two people that day. God waits on us for his children to return home to him no matter how far away we've run. And he throws the most lavish homecoming just like the father did for the prodigal son. The Lord hears our prayers and it's mourning with us in our waiting. Even when sometimes those prayers aren't answered until the other side of heaven. God waits with us. I'm so grateful that God's been patient with me in my own journey of anxiety and grief when I've tried to just self-medicate or numb my pain instead of running into his peaceful healing arms. God's been so patient with me when I've refused to forgive or when I've been too proud to ask for someone else's forgiveness. God is so patient with me when my anger boils up in my chest and it overflows out of my mouth like daggers to the hearts of people I love. Oh, Jesus, thank you for being patient with me. Thank you for being patient with all of us. we just thank God for being a patient God? After we do that, I think it's pretty important to be patient with ourselves. When's the last time you gave yourself some grace? I think sometimes our patience runs so thin for others because we haven't been patient with ourselves first. Maybe we thought we'd be further along by now. We would have things all figured out. We would have dropped that bad habit or stopped running to that thing that gives you comfort. You know, you would have got the dream job. You would have made it. Got married, fixed the marriage, had the kids, dropped the bad habit, got out of debt, lost the weight, controlled your tongue. You know those things. Sometimes I get so irritated at myself that the same insecurities that formed in me when I was barely a teenager are the same ones I am bring into my 30s. I just need to be patient with myself because God is patient with us. We can trust that God is patient with us. That's the trusting part. We can show a little grace to ourselves. That's the tending part. And through trusting and tending and perhaps the most important thing we can do is we can give the gift of patience to those around you. Thank God for being patient. Give some patience to yourself and then give the gift of patience to the world around you. Remember, patience is a way we embody and express love. It's the gift of slowing down to listen. It's the gift of parking your irritability and frustration at the door. It's the gift of not blowing up or being passive aggressive. It's the gift of not seeing someone as an inconvenience, but seeing someone as a fellow image bearer of the image of God created in God's image. And God is so good and full of love and mercy. He's been patient with us. We can give the gift of patience to others too. And in our patiently waiting, the world on the outside can see the spirit alive in us, producing that fruit by the way we live when we're waiting. Pay attention in the waiting. When you find things not moving as quickly as you hoped they would, and when you find yourself grasping for any sense of control, you can open your hands. You can stop and pray, God, give me your patience. And take a deep breath. Pay attention. God's doing something in the surface of your heart there. You know, pay, patiently waiting on the Lord doesn't mean inaction; action. It just means slowing down enough to listen to God's direction. You can cultivate an active hope as you wait and follow God's leading in your life. And it gives you the space to cultivate a life that is anchored and rooted in prayer. Because being patient and waiting forces you to answer two questions. Do I really believe God is in control? Do I really trust that God is good? Then you have time and space as you're waiting to commune with God and wrestle through those things. I love what Adele Calhoun writes. She says, waiting with God teaches us to let go of our expectations so we can receive what has been given. No one has to be transformed through waiting. Waiting can turn us into demanding or depressed people, but if we will embrace waiting with God, the great gift of developing a mellow, forgiving heart is ours for the taking. Friends, I think it grieves God when our choices so clearly go against his instruction because like a dedicated, wise gardener, he knows what we need to flourish. And when we run ahead of God and make our own choices that, are, that stand in opposition to the flourishing that God wants for our lives, it just produces rotten fruit. And we can't live a life sustained by rotten fruit. But if we wait on the Lord, if we trust and tend to our garden of our lives, if we nurture patience in the mundane things and in the grand things and all the highs and all the lows at the stop signs and at the gravesides, the world will see in us the light and love of Christ Jesus by our patience. May we wait on the Lord like the prophet Hosea proclaimed. As surely as the sun rises, he will appear to us. He will come to us like a winter rain, like spring rains that water the earth. So this week, I encourage you, try driving in the slow lane. Try chewing your food a little slower. Let someone finish a sentence before you interrupt with your next thought. Practice letting go of your need for control. When inconveniences arise, because they surely will do, respond with grace. Tend to the things that need tending to and trust that God is right there with you in your waiting. You can wait on the Lord. I want to leave you with this prayer by Walter Brueggemann. He's one of my favorite authors. Uh, Will you pray this with me? God of seasons, God of years, God of the eons, Alpha and Omega, before us and after us, you promise and we wait. We wait with eager longing. We wait mid doubt and anxiety. We wait with patience then. And sometimes we doubt. And then we take life into our own hands. We wait because you are the one and the only We wait for your peace and your mercy, for your justice and your good rule. Give us your spirit that we may wait obediently and with discernment, caringly without passivity, trustingly without cynicism, honestly without utopianism. Grant that our lives may be appropriate to your coming soon and very soon. Soon and not late. Late, but not too late. Lord, we wait while the world groans in eager longing. Lord, help us wait on you. Amen.